and welcome to another edition of the Informed Traveler podcast, a weekly travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. So this past week, I got the chance to visit Heritage Park Historical Village in Calgary. Now, if you've never visited Heritage Park while in Calgary, I highly recommend it. It is a fabulous facility. And each year around this time of year, they begin their Once Upon a Christmas promotion at the park. It runs every weekend until December 23rd. And it's a huge celebration guaranteed to get you into the Christmas spirit. So on our show this week, it's all about Heritage Park. Not only their Once Upon a Christmas celebration, which we'll learn about in a few moments, but we'll also chat with Chief Engineer Brian Manning. He's the guy that drives the train around the park and looks after the maintenance of the steam locomotives on site. Plus, I also got the chance to visit with Sylvia Harnden, curator at Heritage Park, to learn about the fascinating story of the historic Wainwright Hotel. And that's where we begin our podcast, inside the Wainwright Hotel, chatting with Barb Monroe. She is communication specialist with Heritage Park Historical Village about their Once Upon a Christmas celebration and other reasons to visit the park. And here's that conversation. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, so I'm just going to jump right in. This is a historical park. Um, obviously, there's some history behind it. When did it begin? And, and tell us uh, how it all began. Well, Heritage Park opened its doors or opened its gates on July 1st, 1964. And the park was originally started to be a children's pioneer theme park. Uh, I think we had about 12 exhibits. Uh, there was uh, a couple little spindly trees when the park first opened. <laughs> we have now grown to be Canada's largest living history museum. We have over 182 exhibits, over 55,000 artifacts. We are preserving and presenting Western Canadian history and heritage for the whole world to discover. That's amazing. Say that again. Canada's largest... Living History Museum. I bet you, I would venture to guess that most Albertans, Canadians, Western Canadians people wouldn't even know that. I didn't know that. No, I think people just, you know, we're Heritage Park. Yeah. We're, we're part of the foundation of Calgary. But, you know, I think what we offer is, is incomparable to the rest of the country. We bring history to life and we are constantly growing. We're constantly adding stories to our collections. So, you know, in 2014, we opened the famous Five Center of Canadian Women so that we could talk about women's history and the person's case. And uh, about 10 years ago, we expanded our First Nations encampment and we work really closely with the First Nations community so that we can accurately tell their story. We're working on something new for next year, which is uh, a revamp of our natural resources area. So we can tell Alberta's natural resources and oil and gas stories. So we're constantly growing and changing and expanding mm -hmm. and sharing that history. Yeah, how big is the park anyway? Mm -hmm. The park is 127 acres. So we actually started at 65 acres. And in 2009, we underwent a huge expansion, if you remember, mm -hmm. uh, and that extended the park to be 127 acres, uh, extended our timeline all the way up to the 1930s with the addition of Gasoline Alley Museum. And we are now able to have a year-round uh, offering as well for our guests with the museum and the shops and the restaurants at the front of the park. 
Nice. Now you have Once Upon a Christmas that's beginning this weekend. Uh, it must be very exciting. I'm, I'm sure the staff gets uh, all excited about this, right? Absolutely. Uh, we we kind of go straight from uh, Halloween into Christmas. So, you know, the pumpkins and ghosts and spiderwebs come down and the wreaths and the bows go up. And, you know, that's kind of how we roll here. We're always moving into one one thing right after another. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is, this is really one of our longest-running events. And everybody at the park loves the event. It, it's a really nice old-fashioned Christmas celebration. Yeah. Well, to, uh, describe some of the things people can expect to see if they've never been to Once Upon a Christmas and they'd be missing out if they haven't. So tell us uh, what's uh, what they can expect and maybe what's new. Sure. Uh, well, of course, we have Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Santa in Gasoline Alley Museum sitting in a vintage truck. So you can bring your kids in to have a, a visit with Santa. And we have optional professional Santa photos. So you can skip those lines in the mall and just come here <laughs> and have a unique photo. We have kids crafts. We have all sorts of kids activities. We have gingerbread cookie decorating. Uh, we actually offer a breakfast buffet right here in the hotel mm-hmm. and in Gunn's Dairy Barn. So you can come and have a great buffet fill up and then you can go outside and have a festive horse-drawn wagon ride and we put jingly bells on the harnesses of the horses and blankets and hay and everybody snuggles up under the blankets and sings Christmas carols together. Um, We have crackling fire pits and uh, new this year we have snowshoe races, we have uh, snow painting and Oh boy, what else? Roving costumed carolers. Uh, We open up four of our historical homes and we decorate them in Mm -hmm. the traditional decorations from the Edwardian times. So, you know, a a, a very simple prairie ranch Christmas to the very elegant Edwardian Christmas in the three-story prince house. Uh, We have a play. Uh, We have an amazing train display. Shopping, the bakery, <laughs> it goes on. And on. candy. Yeah, candy and cookies and yeah, gingerbread. The whole place smells like gingerbread. Very it's, nice. It is. It's very nice. Very nice. Okay, so it starts this weekend uh, and it runs every weekend now until uh, Christmas, obviously, right? Yes, Saturdays and Sundays until December 23rd, 9.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. Perfect. So then after Christmas, uh, I was I would assume you have some New Year's celebrations coming? or This wraps up on December 23rd. And while this is happening, uh, we also have dinner and a movie happening in the uh, Selkirk Grill, which mm-hmm. is our restaurant at the front of the park. So for December, we're doing two Christmas movies. We're doing The Muppet Christmas Carol <laughs> and we're doing Miracle on 34th Street. One of my uh, favorites. Yeah. yeah. And, and we... we um, pair a themed dinner to the movie so the menus are a lot of fun i believe that there's frog legs but not really (laughs) frog legs on the uh, muppet menu so we have a lot of fun with our menus and the movies um we're doing holiday teas in the famous five center so Mm -hmm. this is a um a beautiful recreation of Nellie McClung's home and uh, we do a very elegant Christmas tea in there with shortbread and mincemeat and all of that and that happens between Christmas and New Year's. We have a winter carnival which is an indoor uh, kind of a family activity running in Gasoline Alley Museum in between Christmas and New Year's as well and then of course we offer uh, a very elegant lovely New Year's Eve dinner in the Selkirk Grill on New Year's Eve. Very nice and so um, everyone's in costume is like going back into time and talking with the staff right absolutely everybody's in costume we have a lot of great characters here throughout the park 
Uh, you know, the only modern vehicle that you're going to see in the park uh, is our, our um, uh, bus that we use for, um, for our guests. Otherwise, you completely feel like you are in 1910 Alberta. That's perfect. That's awesome. And, then, you know, it's, it's such a great way to get into the Christmas spirit. It's just a different way of doing it, right? It's a different focus. So I think a lot of people really get caught up in Christmas is about spending money and shopping and how many presents are we going to get under the tree. This, our focus here is family and time together and making crafts and enjoying meals and singing songs and you know uh, we have church services and we have Hanukkah celebrations and we just we just like to kind of reconnect people to the true spirit and meaning of Christmas. Mm -hmm. uh, anything that I've missed do you want to add? Uh, we, you know, you can you can buy your tickets in advance. You can get your tickets at the door, and we also have discount admission tickets available at uh, Fountain Tire and Select Safeway and Sobeys locations. So it's a really great, affordable family event that everybody should make a part of their Christmas tradition. <laughs> exactly. That was Barb Monroe, um, a communication specialist with Heritage Park. Again, their website heritagepark.ca. Uh, thanks, Barb. Thank you. Well, last week I visited Heritage Park Historical Village in Calgary, where there are so many exhibits and venues to see from vintage cars at Gasoline Alley and Heritage Town Square to the fur trading fort and First Nations encampment. But one truly iconic building that marks the cornerstone of the park itself is the Wainwright Hotel, a hotel you can't stay in but gives you plenty of opportunity to go back into time to see what it was like to experience life back in 1910. So I met up with Sylvia Harnden, one of the park curators, who told me the fascinating story about the Wainwright Hotel. And here's that conversation. Uh, Sylvia, we are sitting, uh, I, this is the bar room, right, of the uh, Wainwright Hotel, correct? Uh, that's right, Randy. Uh, welcome to the Wainwright Hotel. Uh, this is one of Heritage Park's pride and joys. Uh, back in the 1960s, Heritage Park was uh, busy developing this site. Uh, that we're on right now. And one of the things that we were looking for at the time was a good hotel. <laughs> and there weren't any historic buildings available that suited our needs at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, uh, our, through our research, we found evidence of this wonderful building. Uh, and it's called the Wainwright Hotel. Now, the Wainwright Hotel was actually uh, very well documented, and uh, it, this, this building we're in right now was actually created from photographs and memories because the original hotel burnt down in 1929. So the hotel that we have now is actually, um, it's, it's a mirror image of the original Wainwright Hotel from Wainwright, Alberta. Now, the interesting thing is the hotel in Wainwright, Alberta, was not originally built in Wainwright. Uh, because back in 1907, the people in uh, that part of Alberta thought the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway would come through and establish a station point at a little town called Denwood. Mm. Well, people were buying property out there and prices were going up. 
and the Wayne Wright or the uh, the uh, Grand Trunk Pacific uh, Railway uh, came right past Denwood, and they established their station point about two and a half miles to the west. But prior to that, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Martin Luther Forster had built a hotel, a 30-room hotel. Uh, two stories, it was basically a wooden box, and uh, various other people had built little homes and businesses in this town called Denwood. Well, with the uh, establishment of the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway, the good folk of Denwood just upstate and moved. And uh, most people just skidded their buildings, and Mr. Forster skidded his uh, Wainwright Hotel from Denwood, two and a half miles to the west, hauling it behind horses along the new railway grade, and it took them almost three months to move a 30-room wooden <laughs> structure. But they did. And once they got it down into Wainwright, then uh, they opened it up in uh, 1908 as the Wainwright Hotel. And Wainwright itself was named after the vice president of the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway, um, which eventually became part of the uh, uh, Canadian National Railway uh, uh, Network. Anyway, Mr. Wainwright uh, gave his name to the town. And uh, so here we have the Wainwright Hotel, and it grew and it prospered. Um, they added on the balconies, they added on 25 extra rooms, and so it came out to be this nice, beautiful L-shaped structure. And uh, the hotel was so well written up in the uh, uh, Wainwright Star newspaper, over and over again, wonderful rooms, wonderful food, great hospitality. Uh, the Forster family, uh, Martin was a pillar of the community. He eventually uh, went on to council. Uh, he became the mayor for a while. He was a member, a founding uh, member of the Knights of Pythias in, in the town of Wainwright. Uh, many people came to stay at his hotel. Uh, there were, uh, oh, there were traveling troops of, of uh, entertainers. There were farmers and ranchers coming and going. Uh, their hospitality, I'll tell you in a moment, in 1909, it was a very big year for them uh, because they were expanding the hotel or beginning to expand the hotel. And then, <laughs> Turn around on the 25th of December, they had a marvelous dinner. Wonderful food, wonderful menus. Uh, I've got some pictures here mm -hmm. of, of this beautiful hotel. Yeah. So describe what's in the photo. Well, the hotel, according to the paper, they had 70 guests at this, at a time that the hotel only had 30 rooms. So what they did, they didn't have enough tables, they just made it all up and they had benches they had tables that they had stuck together and i think that it's just something that they must have mocked up because they're not they're not really nice uh, wooden tables but they what they did they laid it all out in a long row and they covered it all with a nice tablecloth and a table there's all kinds of of uh, wine and beer set out and uh, in the background you can see uh the four waitresses but they've got it decorated with 
paper garlands and, and all sorts of, of wonderful uh, little flowers. And if you hit some of the, the highlights of their menu, it's, uh, uh, they had their appetizers, of course. They had um, deep shell oysters. Their entrees were very interesting. They had uh, broiled chicken a la royale, oyster patties, a buffalo in the mode of the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway, steamed antelope and noodles, spare ribs of pork, sauerkraut, Forster's favorite calves, sweetbread a la Maryland, and a fine assortment of cheeses and wines and uh, shortbread, etc. And of course, Canadian uh, turkey. And uh, Mallard duck as well. So mm-hmm. lots of things, wonderful things on the menu. It's uh, it's quite a, a story and quite a feast. Uh, Christmas of 1909, <laughs> and you kind of touched on what life was like back then. How much did it cost to stay at the Wainwright, Wainwright Hotel back in 1909? Well, it would have cost you about a dollar a day. And if you wanted to stay for a whole week, it would be $6, and that included your meals. Now, if you wanted to get an alcoholic beverage, it would be between 15 and 25 cents. And if you wanted just to buy a single meal, if you were not actually staying in the hotel, a light meal would run you about 25 cents, and a full uh, dinner would have been about 50 cents. Um, it's, it's great. That's a great story. We could probably tell more stories, but time is our enemy here. Uh, Sylvia Harnden, uh, curator with Heritage Park. Uh, anything you want to add, Sylvia? Well, and just if you don't mind yep. indulging me just for a moment here, I'd like to read a little bit from the little girl of Janice Forster, who grew up in this hotel, and she recalls her Christmas here, and she said this: uh, there and the Christmases, all oh, the Christmases. There were decorations everywhere, the lobby, the dining room, and the bar room, and especially the upstairs parlor where the family Christmas was held. The splendid large tree, fresh cut near Jasper and brought by the CNR to town, beautifully adorned with tiny candles in pinched-in holders. The youngest of the family saw the tree when we were called on Christmas Eve to the parlor where Sis played the piano and we all sang carols. Papa loved music and was happy to see us all so thrilled. Then we were given one gift each from the tree by Santa Claus. One of the local gentlemen dressed up for the occasion. Then it was off to bed. That was the time of the Eaton's beauty dolls and the girls were happy to have their very own. After Christmas, the dining room would be closed for a few days to give the staff some time off. It was then that we could play with our toys on the large dining room tables. <laughs> That's a great story. Okay. Thank you again, Sylvia. I appreciate it. Okay. You're most welcome. Thank you so much. Well, on this week's show, we are showcasing Heritage Park Historical Village located in southwest Calgary near the Glenmore Reservoir. And one of the things you can do when you visit Heritage Park is take a ride on a train pulled by a vintage steam engine locomotive and get a tour of all the sites and areas there is to see at the park. That locomotive is operated by Chief Engineer Brian Manning, who I got the chance to meet and learn more about the railway of Heritage Park 
And here's that chat for you now. We are chatting with Brian Manning. He's the chief engineer with Heritage Park, uh, sitting in the roundhouse. Uh, Brian, tell me what a chief engineer does at Heritage Park. Well, this one uh, on these locomotives is pretty much everything. I, I'm in charge of the railway, so I do the the rolling stock, the switches, the crossings, the training, the locomotives, the everything. So uh, for those who have never been to Heritage Park, uh, describe a little bit about what the train does and, and the whole aspect of the park involving the trains. Well, the train runs on a uh, one-mile circuit, uh, kind of an oval around the park. So when you come in, uh, if you get on the train, uh, conductors will get you onto the coach. <clears throat> Everybody's dressed in period costume. And you do a, a one circuit all around the park. Uh, it's kind of see the perimeter. Mm -hmm. You can see the uh, the trestle that we have, the, the Glenmore Reservoir and the, the Derrick. And it's uh, kind of give you an overall of what you can see when you get off the train. Well, I always think that's a great way to, uh, when you first walk into the park, get on the train so you have a whole overview of the park itself and then you can kind of pick and choose the areas that you want to visit right yeah that's right and uh, we're not so much as a a mode of transportation we're more oh. of a uh, historical part of it mm -hmm. to take you uh, uh i guess you know to one part of the park and, and explore it then get back on the train and go to another part mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so tell me what it takes to like uh, sitting uh, in front of two great big engines i'm gonna call them engines maybe you should correct me what what they are no and it, that's what there are is engines they're steam engines mm -hmm. but yeah they're engines locomotive engines so tell me uh describe these are the ones you actually use to pull the train around right around the park yeah that's right the uh there are two uh live steam locomotives there's only uh six in the province of alberta this year uh there was only three of them running and we had two of them uh so <laughs> They're uh, were originally built for the U.S. Army, mm -hmm. uh, 1942 and 44. Uh, so, sold as Army surplus in the early 50s. Went out to uh, New Westminster, Pacific Coast Terminals. Uh, spent 18 years on the wharf pushing boxcars around. Uh, a doctor, Destribu, bought them, put them in storage. Uh, we were lucky enough to buy one, uh, the 2024, in... Uh, 74 mm -hmm. 10 years later uh, I believe it was the uh, he sold us the other one so these locomotives there was 285 of them built uh, there's eight left and we got two of them Wow that is amazing uh, and so I'm looking at 2024 that's the that's the number in front of the uh, locomotive here that's the one you're referring to what does it take to get these things up and running and going and moving uh, well in the winter time we uh, right after Thanksgiving is when we shut down mm -hmm. Uh, so we start off with the boilers, we have to drain them, we have to dry them out, we do an inspection on the boilers, then we start cleaning, cleaning fireboxes, cleaning tubes, cleaning smoke boxes. Uh, we're right up until the end of December just cleaning. Mm -hmm. uh, right now we're in, we're doing inspections, we have to drop uh, a lot of the driving boxes off the wheels from underneath, check the brakes, uh, all that stuff. It's a lot of work. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like working on a big D10, but it's, uh, there's no instruction manuals for these things. And I understand it's like a, a vintage car. Um, the original parts, some of them are original and some of them are up to modern standards, right? Yeah. Uh, for all intents and purposes, these locomotives are 
95% original. Mm -hmm. uh, we've changed bearings, we've changed a few valves on them. The piping, of course, has been changed, but pretty much all in all, they're original from the day they were built. Now, the, how does your day start, uh, the, uh, a typical day of, of an engineer when the park is open and the train is, is running? Uh, how does your start, day start? Well, we're here about 6.30 in the morning, and uh, we go through the logbook to see if the, the crew out the night before had wrote anything, anything needs to be repaired. We have till about 9 o'clock to have that done before we can uh, light up the engine. It takes about an hour to get it hot, uh, and then we take on water, take on fuel, and uh, after we do our inspections and, and all that kind of good stuff, and the first run out is about 10 to 10. So we put in a, a nine hour day on the train uh, and then shut it down and uh, go home for the night. So it, it's a long day, it's 10, 11 hours. You make it sound so simple, but I, I understand it's quite a process. It's not like you just take a key and, and turn an ignition. It, it takes a, a bit of work just to get them started, right? Yeah, it does. Uh, you have to light them off with a rag uh, soaked in kerosene uh, to get the fire going and build pressure slowly. Uh, there's a lot of uh, maintenance and scheduling or uh, servicing that has to be done to them. Uh, the inspections that we have to do on the daily basis of them just to keep them running. But yeah, it takes a good hour, hour and a half in the morning to to get one going, ready to go. Wow. Uh, tell me about some of the, the the displays of the cars themselves. There was the colonist car that was here. Uh, tell me about some of the, the displays of, of the rail cars and the history behind those uh, when people come to visit. Yeah, over in the car shop, uh, we've got six cars over there. The colonist car, and then behind it is a, it's a 1905 CP Rail business car. Uh, over on the center track, there's a 19, I believe it's a 1912 uh, CN car that was uh, uh, the Dominion. Uh, over on the third track is a uh, 19, uh, car 141, which is a first class uh, car. Uh, basically, it went from Winnipeg to Winnipeg Beach, uh, and that was it. <laughs> it's a beautiful car. Mm -hmm. And then behind it is the uh, 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 construction car. It was built in 1885 and it was at the driving of the last bike. Wow, it's amazing. Like, there's so many amazing stories behind uh, these cars. People can come see them. They're not just objects. There's a story behind each and every one of them, right? Oh, there is. And everything we have is operational. Uh, a few of the cars, the big cars over in the in the, in the uh, car shop, we can't get around the, the curves of the track because they're <laughs> too tight. But uh, Probably 90% of our collection that we have in the railway is operational. Oh, wow. Uh, what's your favorite part of the job? Driving around the park. Uh, I mean, I like uh, repairing them. I like fixing them, troubleshooting them, that kind of thing. But, you know, if you get out in, into the seat and, and drive around on, on the nice day, you yeah. know, that's, that's what it's all about. Pulling yeah. pull throttle and have a good time. And I, I imagine you uh, have quite a few passengers in a day and over the summer, right? Yeah, I think we're averaging uh, around 11, 1200 a day during the summer. Weekends, of course, are more. Mm -hmm. Special events are, are a whole lot more. Uh, I think our ridership is probably around 250, 300,000 people uh, during the summer yeah. on the train. And uh, railway days is a big deal here. Mm -hmm. uh, we showcase everything in the railway. But it's one of the things of, of the railway, because we have two of them, 
it's the only place in Canada you're going to see two steam locomotives uh, double head hooked together. Wow. Uh, so it's, yeah, this is it. You want to see one, it's right here. It's it. So, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know, because I'm a railway buff and I'm a history buff, so I'm just amazed at, like looking at these uh, locomotives. Uh, anything you want to add that I've missed? Uh, maybe some of the events that are coming up next summer that can you, can you share? Or? Uh, uh, railway Days, again, is that it's at the end of September this year. Uh, in 2019, mm -hmm. uh, we'll be running the two locomotives, the uh, the uh, crane. Mm -hmm. We've got a, a 1920 CPR steam crane that we've got operational. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the only one in Canada. Wow. Uh, we're running that. Uh, every Tuesday we do the uh, uh, Fourth dining car. Uh, that's a 1929 uh, first class dining car. Uh, so there's tickets available for that. We do that every Tuesday. Uh, we do a, a country kickback where we fire up our steam tractor and uh, thrash the, out, out the, the wheat mm -hmm. uh, in the field. That's a two-day event, the end of August. So it, uh, it keeps us busy, keeping mm -hmm. all this steam stuff running. No kidding. Uh, he is Brian Manning, Chief Engineer uh, for Heritage Park. Again, their website is heritagepark.ca. Uh, thank you for uh, all the stories, Brian. Appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Anytime. And that is this week's Informed Traveler podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at theinformedtraveler.ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash informedtraveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at informedtraveler.com.